You're listening to the She Leads Me podcast, episode number 39 with Denise Torres, founder of The Mentoring Place. You're listening to the She Leads Me podcast, where women come together for powerful conversations around life and leadership. Each episode will bring you conversations with incredible female business owners and leaders, tools for you on your personal and professional journey, and needed conversation and education to equip you with the tools to forge your path in today's world. I am your host, Heather Simpson. My mission is to educate and empower women who are seeking a different type of conversation, taking them to the next level in their journey and career. Welcome to She leads me. Hello, Denise. Thank you so much for joining me today on the She Leads Me podcast. I am very excited to have you as our guest. Thank you for joining us. Oh, Heather, thank you so much. I'm excited to be with you and uh, just thrilled about all the work that you're doing to help women. Oh, thank you. And likewise, I'm really excited to dig, to dig deep and dive into who you are and what you do. So let's actually start there. Would you introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about you? Absolutely. So the, here's the career uh, info. Here's the scoop. So <laughs> I have about 30 years of experience in healthcare, uh, in the pharmaceutical, medical device, and consumer healthcare. Uh, industry the last uh, about 15 years with Johnson and Johnson and with another pharmaceutical company before that uh, I've held all different kind of roles but uh, the most recent I was president of uh, uh, of two multi companies one in pharmaceuticals and the other uh, in consumer and uh, chief strategy and transformation officer for a uh, sector within uh, Johnson and Johnson now that's the career stuff and on paper it all looks like things go pretty smooth started off i uh, actually was a janitor i uh, grew up in gary indiana my dad worked in the steel mill and uh, we didn't have too much money so i was wildly motivated by fear of not being able to uh, to do better and uh, so i kind of progressed through uh, my uh, young years and uh, into my career, really driven by that absolute need to succeed, oftentimes by fear. And uh, as I got older, it got to be uh, equal parts fear and ambition. That's amazing. A lot of times people get so paralyzed by fear. What was it for you that actually had fear fuel your fire for wanting something different? I think it actually was playing sports. Uh, my parents were really big into getting us into sports. So I played basketball and softball. And there's a bit of that being on uh, the court and there's shoving that goes on there, right? There's things that you have to, you know, get back up from it. And I remember in high school, I had a, um, a nun. I did 13 years of Catholic school. And in high school, I was a bit of a class clown. And that was a way that I could, you know, try to relate to people. And uh, the nun said to me in front of all the students, Denise, the only way you're going to college is if your father builds you one. Mm. And it was a punch in the gut. But I remember that feeling of saying, game on, sister. You know, whatever that version of game on was back there. But I had that. Yeah, literally, sister. (laughs) But I had that feeling um, many times when being pushed, you know, into a situation or someone saying you can't. 
that there's something inside. And I do think it started uh, playing sports and learning how to compete and get back up. Not that it was easy, but there was that voice inside of me. And I definitely think the influence of my parents to, uh, to keep going. That's amazing. That's so great that you had that, those parents that were supportive of that and also enrolled you in, in sports that did help you kind of build up that what would become resiliency to those sucker punches and, and that type of stuff and moving into corporate healthcare world, Johnson and Johnson, like what, uh, you know, not a small company to be working with, <laughs> like quite a big achievement there. Talk to us a little bit about some of the things that you did in in your role there, you were in a pretty high leadership position there. Am I correct? Yes. Yes. I was, um, as I progressed in my career, I was fortunate enough to have uh, a few sponsors that really took a chance on me and they made all the difference in my career. And uh, one of the jobs that I did that I'm probably most proud of, uh, and, and the listeners may be familiar with it, uh, uh, seven or eight years ago, uh, uh, Johnson Johnson had some quality challenges with Tylenol and some of the other over-the-counter products. And so many of the products were taken off the shelf. Um, Johnson Johnson, you know, uh, pulled them for, uh, you know, for quality reasons. And uh, at that time, I was written up in the Wall Street Journal. And Mm -hmm. I remember saying to myself, uh, who's going to take that job because we had entered into what was called a consent decree an agreement with the um, U.S. government. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, uh, my sponsor um, called me. She said, Denise, I want to talk to you about this job. And I was so nervous. I sat down with her and our CEO at the time, and I actually <laughs> got shingles. I was sitting. I, that's how nervous I got. I was <laughs> oh my gosh. And Sherry said to me, what's on your neck? And I said, I don't know, but it hurts. <laughs> she said, that's shingles. I know what shingles looks like. I was so nervous. But I took the job anyway. And it, you know, it was a big, big sacrifice because of the amount of work. And I worked away from home. But mm-hmm. for almost five years, I led the turnaround of this company, which involved you know, all different aspects of the business, whether you know, bringing these products back and new manufacturing plants and building a culture that was really focused on uh, consumers and it was the hardest job I ever had but the most rewarding because it that leading with love works and I was so passionate about the people and about what we were doing and uh, really focused on building people and uh, I had the chance to do that many times in my career but seeing it work on such a large scale was uh, incredibly rewarding. That's amazing. So in a time of crisis in that company, I would, I would call it a time of crisis probably, yeah. right? That's a, yeah. it's a yeah. big yeah. thing and, and especially highly publicized. You stepped into a position that I think um, kind of more of the old school leadership model or maybe more of like what we call me like a traditional leadership model would be like to look externally to kind of fix and solve the problem. But it sounds like as you talk about leading with love and kind of that, that culture, you turned inward and led from that place and realized that it had to come from the inside out. Talk to us a little bit about your approach there and and how you saw that help, um, I mean, really turn things around. I would say that with that much of a highly publicized kind of issue, taking that job and turning it around in the five years that you did is, is a really short 
time span to really make that shift and to bounce back from that. Will you talk to us a little bit about that process? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was both things of being incredibly customer focused. But in order to be customer focused is really winning the hearts of the employees around something that really matters to them. And we really moved into a time, as I would talk about, is the privilege to serve. And when you have a company, you know, there's always competitors and people can go somewhere else. And really getting into our minds and hearts that it really is a privilege. You know, it is a privilege uh, for people to pay us for our products, to use our products. And uh, I really think that our employees could relate to that when we talk about, you know, a lot of people go to the store with a calculator because they don't have a lot of money. And, you know, uh, when I came into the job, people said, we're like a family here. And I said, well, families can be dysfunctional, you know, but leading with love is a little <laughs> bit, uh, can be different in that, you know, if we look at being honest, you know, being uh, transparent about things, having high expectations, um, holding, you know, each other accountable, uh, you know, are things that, that all come, I think, with love. It sounds like a soft word, but, you know, love is very, very strong. And uh, having that connection and also caring enough to have fun. Uh, you know, when I first stepped in, people just, you know, looked so sad and felt embarrassed and all of these emotions. And at the first meeting, I put some music on and I danced and people looked at me like, oh my God, <laughs> something's wrong with her. That sounds and, like a meeting uh, I want to be a part of. That sounds amazing. <laughs> you know, and uh, one of the things that, that I did right away was to share a lot about myself. And one of the things is I have a daughter who has uh, cerebral palsy and uh, mm. she's nonverbal and uh, she, you know, uh, she doesn't really have self-care skills. But what I learned from her is that uh, to approach challenges in life, you know, with the best that you have. And so, you know, I see how hard she works and I think, well, mommy, you know, uh, can work uh, that hard. And she has this incredible attitude. And I learned so much after having her about the power of uh, positive attitude. And that doesn't mean that we look at things and it's all you know, sunshine and roses. Um, and, but what it means is that make the best of the situation, try to find the things that are positive, but, you know, dwelling and staying in the mud pit of life is, uh, we're not going to go anywhere. We're just going to get stuck. And so I, I was uh, fortunate enough through my daughter to really learn that lesson, you know, to choose gratitude. Choose mm -hmm. gratitude for what we have because we do have so much, even when, you know, there are challenges. Um, not to say that, like I said, it's all happiness, but, you know, somewhere to, uh, to really look inside and uh, over the long term. It may not be in a, in a given day, but over the long term is to uh, identify what we have been blessed with. Yeah, absolutely. So you have this amazing turnaround that you're help responsible for with Johnson and Johnson and this incredible 30 year career in the healthcare industry. And then you took a turn and you decided to kind of go on your own route. So tell us a bit about what you do now and that transition for you. 
Absolutely. And I worked for someone that was one of my sponsors and he was 60 at the time. And I think I was 30, I don't know, my early thirties. And so for five years, I had the joy of working uh, with and for uh, uh, this man, his name was Alan. And uh, he was head of uh, the U.S. group with the company I used to work with. And he took me under his wing. I'll tell you, he gave everything to the company. He was always flying, you know, running around and uh, different countries. And I just, he, he gave everything. So he retired at 65 and I think he was 67. And he, um, unfortunately he died. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought all these lessons that Alan gave me and one of them was don't give it all away, right? Before you've had a chance to, to do the things that you want to do. So this stuck with me for many years. And I had this plan that at this age, and I, you know, once I save this amount of money that I wanted to do my own thing. And that's what I did. And it wasn't difficult because I had this, you know, and I, I was also, you know, very fortunate that I was able to retire from my company and have everything that comes with that. But I, um, I had this thing about, you know, bet on yourself. And so I was like, it's time to bet on me in a different way and to experience things and to learn new things. And, you know, I found that uh, I had the chance to do so many awesome things within these big companies, but I was also yearning to kind of be my own boss. And so when I, um, when I retired, I wasn't exactly sure what that looked like, but I had done talks with different um for different companies, you know, uh, different exposure that I had, and people started calling me for different things. So, you know, uh, Denise, would you like to do this talk? Or uh, a lot of work that, of course, I'd done in change management. So I started a, a company called um, The Ignited Place, and so I have my own consulting and change management. But I also did something. I thought, I want to give back. And so I posted this thing on LinkedIn, I guess it's been over two years ago now, and I said, you know what? I've been very fortunate. I would love to mentor a handful of women and I think I was over 200 women responded wow and I was like well I don't think it's going to be you know a few and so <laughs> I then I didn't have the I, how was I going to go back and say I'm going to pick the three of you that just right 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 so I did this um kind of call in uh, program for six months and it was fun and I met people and we had get togethers and all that and it really was terrific. I, I uh, you know, I hope that I did uh, did good, uh, but at the same time, I also learned a lot. So about a year later, it was January. I thought, you know what, I'm going to do that again. I put it out there. I got 1,500 people. Oh my gosh! And yeah, it was it was crazy, right? And so I was like, okay, you know what? Going back to this thing of learning, I said I'm going to do a live stream. So I, you know figured out how to use zoom and get cameras and technology and all of this. And you know, I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I set a date and I was going live. Yeah. So, the, uh, uh, you know, for the past year, I've been doing that interviewing different women and talking um, to different people. And, um, and I'm going to start uh, my own podcast in a few weeks, but the, the goal has been to help women uh, see their strengths, to believe in themselves, and to say, yes, I can. Um, see themselves in other people. And, uh, you know, wh whether you're starting a new business and saying, you know, how do I do this? Uh, or whether you're, you know, in a corporate situation, but 
one thing for sure that I, that I have learned through my own experiences is that it's so messy. It's messy, messy, messy. And that, you know, there's not one path that you go to and say, okay, I got this. You know, uh, uh, you know in the, the whole mentoring area, I have learned, uh, you know, trying different techniques and, uh, uh, you know, technologies. Uh, but to know that you have to keep going. And I, I've, through this process, I also have listened to a lot of women that have started their own businesses and for sure, uh, seem to universally say is the path that you start off on is probably not the path that you're going to end up on. So, you know, people... 100%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you may have had that experience. <laughs> Absolutely. I sure have. This is amazing. And so now you are uh, a mentor. Your, your company it's is called, called The, the mentoring, mentoring Place. place. Yes, yes, I should have mentioned that, but it's called The Mentoring Place, TheMentoringPlace.com. And what we have there is um, we're going to, um, in January, actually uh, have some free mentoring with very senior people. And so, you know, women will be able to sign up. We won't be able to um, to help everyone in the first quarter, but um, it'll be more measured. And we're going to connect women with uh, with senior women that you know are happy to mentor them at, at no charge. And, you know, as we see the latest studies that come out to talk about that, that, you know, the lowest rung, how we need to get more people, uh, have more women up, uh, up the ladder and be able to teach them things like, you know, we go into our career and we are sometimes naive that it's just hard work and it's not. We know that there's elements to this, that it's a game mm -hmm. and not in a trite kind of way, but in a human nature kind of way. How do we influence people? You know, how do we get stuff done? Um, you know, how do we communicate? How do we, you know, build trust? And so, you know, the goal really is to help women understand that. And I say in a real world, no BS, uh, no BS manner. Love it. We also have some courses, um, you know, that we're going to offer once a year. But the goal really is to give back. And, you know, I have a business partner in this and a lot of women that are supporting the uh, the effort, which is uh, terrific. What an incredible gift that you are giving to so many women. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing that work. And oh, thank you for stepping into that fear space and really just turning that into your fuel to do what it is that you are doing. It sounds like you're really helping shape the lives of so many. Well, Heather, there's so many women that um, that feel like they don't fit in. And so for me, being, you know, uh, a woman, Hispanic, and gay, I, I was not a natural fit into, uh, into corporate life, and, you know, especially when I started, and so I have a real love and a passion to help other women, you know, no matter your background or your economic, you know, uh, how, how you grew up, at, you know, in, in your socioeconomic um, status or whatever the situation to say, yes, you can. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can, and but to you know really understand and be astute about what it takes, um, and at the same time not to lose your you know your very soul in the process. Right. Um, and so uh, uh, one of the things that you know I'm uh, working on, you know, will be finished soon, is a book that I'm writing um, called "Flip the Tortilla." That I, I could talk about if you'd like. Yes, let's talk about it. Flip the tortilla. Tell us a little bit about what we can expect with that book. That Absolutely. sounds amazing. So um, it's called Flip the Tortilla and Other Lessons in Resilience, Optimism, and Mojo. 
And my dad's uh, Spanish and Mexican. And one time I was talking to him on the phone. I don't know. This was probably seven or eight years ago. And growing up, my grandmother made uh, tortillas. Mm -hmm. And so my one grandmother's Polish. We'd go there. She'd have the, you know, uh, um, you know, Polish music going and the polkas. And then my (laughs) other grandmother uh, was uh, uh, Mexican. And so she'd have the mariachi music going and we would go to her house and the windows were open on a Sunday after church and you could smell, you know, she would be making, you know, uh, tortillas, frijoles and tortillas. And so we would go over there and oh my gosh, they were uh, like magical, these tortillas. And so she would send some home for us. And we, I always say, you know, tortillas were their own food group in our house. And so (laughs) we would, um, uh, so the, to make the tortilla, you'd put the tortilla on the flame. This was before microwaves, not that you should put tortillas in microwaves anyway, but <laughs> right. So you'd put this fresh homemade tortilla on the flame. And then when it was ready, you'd flip it with, I don't know why, but with your fingers, right? And we didn't, mm-hmm. I, I don't, we didn't use tongs, but, um, but there was a, a real art to flipping the tortilla because if you, didn't wait if you waited too long of course the thing would be you know go up and smoke and right, right. back. and if that's your last tortilla you know you're SOL <laughs> so I'm talking to my dad and I said dad oh da, da, da. I'm telling him about the situation I'm going on and on my dad's a man of few words so finally said to me you know what you know what you need to do and I said what he goes you know girl you need to flip the tortilla and I thought, oh, my God, that's so funny, Dad. And then I thought, it's genius. Mm-hmm. Because what my dad was saying to me was like, you've got to act. You're going to sit there and just, you know, uh, watch yourself go up in these flames. Like, come on. Right. <laughs> so, so I thought that is so great, you know, as part of uh, my heritage. And so, you know, it's really a, a way of, uh, I think, honoring my dad. Absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, so with this thing and then the resilience, optimism, and mojo, um, the book is about different experiences that I've had um, that help build, you know, that resilience mm-hmm. and optimism and mm-hmm. also mojo because, yeah. you know what, we should have some mojo. Absolutely. Some swagger. Yeah. Um, so I did That's about amazing. it. Uh, uh, yes, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for asking. Yeah. So I love that this is going to be in book form for people to be able to actually have something to like either hold or, or possibly, I guess, listen to if you do an audio form yeah. of it. Um, because resiliency and optimism is something, those are two things and, and you throw in mojo in there, right? Three things yeah. that are really, they're not like a tangible thing, right? They're this concept where we hear people talk about it. We hear successful people talk about it and putting those themes into the story with your experience gives something tangible to hang on to. It gives something for people to really understand and grasp different moments of resiliency or optimism or mojo for you so they can see that lens through themselves and apply it to their own life. Because as you've talked about, we touched on that, right? Throughout the story and your history here, where resiliency and optimism have played such a huge part in your life. Absolutely. And um, there was um, something that really impacted me in my, I was, gosh, I think 30 years old, I had joined, you know, this big uh, uh, company and I had a bit of my, you know, me too um, experience. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, I wasn't really sure how to, fit in and I was just feeling like oh my gosh you know what I I don't know how am I going to fit in here how am I going to make this happen I've had all this school you know I went to MBA got my law degree all this stuff and I still fit like you know I I don't fit and so 
I decided to go on an outward bound trip. And, you know, it was my first time backpacking. You have these really heavy backpacks. I think they were 60, 65 pounds. Oh, wow. And so you're going and you're like, how am I going to carry this? So uh, you get to a point where you have 24 hours by yourself. It's called a solo um, mm-hmm. part of the trip. And so I, I get in my place and it was this beautiful, beautiful area in the Sierra Mountains and this the majestic mountains in the background. There was this, you know, stream and, you know, the big boulders. And I take my backpack off and I look around and I start to cry first because it was so beautiful and it was just, you know, the awe of it. Then I started to cry even more because I thought, oh my gosh, I'm carrying this t- backpack. My life backpack was so heavy. Both well, this mm-hmm. backpack I was carrying for the trip, but the life backpack. And mm-hmm. I just thought like, I got to unpack this thing. What the hell's in here? And so I started, you know, for this hours and hours, I started just, you know, documenting and writing about this is ridiculous right there are things like you know what i got to come out to my parents i've got to you know stand up more for myself and all of this and it changed my life so that whole thing of empty the backpack is a lesson in the book and you know how much stuff we carry that's not even ours and that was part of the resilience thing and the idea you know there were silly things that i did were when i um thought you know I feel like I want to be part of a community, but I didn't want people to know that I was gay. I'm working at this big company. So I went to a fair and I get this bumper sticker. I have no idea what it means. And so, but I just know it means something with diversity. I don't want to get the rainbow because everyone knows whatever. So I have the Subaru, of course, right? And I put this bumper (laughs) sticker on the back and I'm driving around every once in a while. Someone would be like, hey, beep, beep. And I would wave and you know, it's like right on, man, this is like, these are my peeps. And so I, I went on vacation with um, my partner, who's now my spouse of 23 years. And we go to Provincetown, of course. And so we're in Provincetown and Kim says to me, isn't that your bumper sticker? And this time they actually had uh, the words underneath of what it represented. So I look underneath and it was um, bondage. It was S&M pride. And I was like, oh, my God, I, the whole time I didn't want to put the, you know, uh, you know, the, the rainbow flag. But instead, I'm riding around. I, I would say like Seinfeld, not that there's anything wrong with that, but not me. Right. And so this whole time, I've, you know, got my S&M pride flag on and people are beeping at me. And so that was another thing. Like, you know, at that time, I thought, you know, what am I doing? And then a few years later, I... Uh, had my daughter and that was another just such a oh a bolt of strength and Mm -hmm. I started to go from that self-acceptance to self-celebration and Heather I'm telling you when I did that I became happier I became a lot more successful and I also felt like I had so much more to give to others that I wasn't spending all this you know ridiculous energy trying to mold myself into something that I wasn't and um, at the same time you know uh, not celebrating this like great person that I became and so um, life became a lot more interesting and fun and and also you know I was more successful. Yeah I love that I love that term self-celebration it just that sounds so freeing that not only this going from self-acceptance to self-celebration but just that term just sounds like 
oh, like, I just like want to like take a deep breath and like release it all. I just, I don't know. I, I just love that. I love that that uh, is something that you've kind of shifted into. It's just, I think something that is so key for people to take it from that self-acceptance to the next step further. And Absolutely. what an incredible journey you've been on. I mean, we've just kind of like briefly covered like the arc of all of the things that make you up. I, it's just, it's so fascinating to me, just like your journey and all that you have to like teach and show now, you know, women and their journeys and, and helping them kind of navigate and, and go through into this place of life. I'm so excited for your book to come out and February is around the time, right? Yes, yes. yes thank you. I Excellent. appreciate that. Yes. Yeah. So I'm wondering, you know, a lot of us kind of find things that we tap into uh, as we go about in our journeys of, um, you know, you've transitioned from corporate to doing your own thing, which has its own transitions. And um, I'm wondering if there's anything that you've tapped into or that has been kind of like a key resource for you or like a method of practice, or if there's a, been books or anything that's kind of helped you overall as you've developed into the person that you are today. Absolutely. I am a, um, an avid reader uh, in terms of, you know, I love to read. Uh, I'm, I should also say I'm a snippet reader. So mm -hmm. some people will read, you know, whole books and two or three books going at one time. But I would say every morning I read everything from, you know, the Wall Street Journal, Harvard Business Review, People, you know, uh, I want to know what's going on, you know, in the world, in, in mm -hmm. popular culture. Mm -hmm. And I think doing that uh, is so important because it's good to have, you know, build technical skills. And I do actually do uh, things like take different courses. I wanted to learn about cybersecurity. So I did a certification in that. And so I think this idea of continuously learning, mm -hmm. but also not lose touch of what's happening just in popular culture. And, um, like many people, I love my Netflix and Hulu, and I'm not ashamed of that. <laughs> I remember when I started off in corporate, I remember, um, uh, you know, you get on a flight, and this was before, uh, this is before, you know, people would watch videos, and, you know, you'd see someone buy a People magazine, but they would hide it within, like, Fortune magazine. Right. <laughs> it's ridiculous, <laughs> right? Like, just read your People magazine. Right. And so I, I would say that. And I'm also a big fan of Brene Brown and yes. the whole idea of, you know, vulnerability and um, listening to our voice and being confident in ourself. And uh, I think those things are really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Big podcast listener too. So yes. Oh, good. Excellent. Do, do you have a couple of like your top favorite shows that you like to listen to? I mean, these, we have podcast listeners right here, right? If there's anything else they can tap into, do you have oh, any of your top I favorites? I listen to so many different ones. I can't say that, you know, I was a long time ago, right? So before even podcasts, where I've always been a big uh, NPR fan. Mm -hmm. And I'll listen to everything from Ron Burgundy to, um, <laughs> you know, the top, what I'd like to do like when I'm walking or something, I'll look at to say, what are the top podcasts? Oh, yeah. And, and then I just, um, you know, when yours is great, I really want to compliment you for everything that you're doing because oh, you've got you. an absolute terrific, you know, show here that uh, you've dedicated yourself to. And thank I've listened you. to a number of years and you're just absolutely terrific and um, great I guests. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And, uh, but there's so much, right? There's so much, uh, mm -hmm. to, uh to listen to and to learn and um, 
Yes. I, I don't even turn on that thing on my phone that says how long I've been on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably good. <laughs> but, and you said, you mentioned that you're going to be having your own podcast dropping here soon. What yes, is the name yes, of that? The, uh, Mid-November is called Flip the Tortilla. Flip it's the Tortilla. Uh, yes, Thanks, Dad. A, <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's a, it's a, uh, as I say, sometimes a reverent look at, uh, uh, women in uh, corporate America and what we experience, um, you know, fun and some yeah. lessons. Yeah. And, um, uh, yep. It's, uh, uh, so I'll be learning that, you know, I'm not where you are, Heather and your experience and, uh, you're smooth. And so I'll, I'll be learning along the way. <laughs> oh yeah. If you've listened to the first few, like they're, they're really clunky, right? Like there's this <laughs> steep learning curve with all of this, but thank you. I appreciate that, uh, that feedback. So, Okay, so let's see. We, there's so much that we've unpacked. Like, there's so many different little like nuggets here. I would just really encourage people listening to like go back through because I've literally taken pages of notes just in my interview with Denise today. That you guys should definitely listen to this again if you're walking or if you're driving. I know that a lot of people kind of you know do that as far as like a, t- a time saving thing. But re-listen to this podcast and like take notes because there's so many amazing takeaways and plug into the amazing offerings that Denise has. Um, at thementoringplace.com and your free mentoring thing in January. So to wrap up, Denise, I'd love to ask you if you could kind of sum up your top three tips of advice that you'd give our listeners. I would say that the constant theme that has come out about today is that you have been able to find a way to step into who you are so confidently. Um, but if you had any tips around that or just your top three tips of advice, what would you share with our listeners today? I think my top tips here are, you know, first of all, is to allow yourself to dream. Mm-hmm. And what is it that you would like to do and believe, yes, I can. And so often that that voice that's in our head is a little girl voice. And we know from research that, you know, we lose our confidence, many of us as women, when we go through puberty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we start to listen to all the things, you know, TV, and I'm not thin enough, I'm not tall enough, smart enough, blah, 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 mm-hmm. fill in the blank. And so really working on that voice that we have and, you know, believing it to be so. Have a mantra that you have. You know, my mantra for many years was, I will not be denied. I will not be denied the opportunity to be my best, whether it was the, the nun in, you know, in high school or was the boss that did whatever, or if it's me, I won't be denied. So that idea of dream, you know, believe that you can. Secondly, you're going to have a, have a heck of a lot of hard work to do it. Um, and it doesn't just come. Dreaming is not enough. You know, dream it, then do it. A lot of hard work. I think the third thing that I mentioned was, you know, empty your backpack. What is it that's holding you back? you know, unpack the stuff that's not yours and try to leave it, you know, on the corner somewhere. Choose gratitude. And, you know, we forgive often, you know, we forgive for ourselves. Choose gratitude and see the joy um, that you have. That doesn't mean that it ends all suffering and challenge. um, But it really, uh, that attitude that we can have really can help us uh, find more joy in life. Um, And lastly, I talked about... um, you know, be yourself, be yourself, because, you know, it's not like you have a choice anyway. Right. So that, that fakiness, you know, that we can develop actually just adds so much weight and baggage, you know, 
you know, into our backpack, that it can heal our soul and, you know, live into who you are and, um, you know, rejoice in that. You know, it's, it may take some time um, to do that, but recognize all these gifts and strengths and cool things that you are and, um, you know, and celebrate those. Excellent. Amazing. So profound. Thank you so much for being part of our show. I am really excited for our listeners to tap in and be able to connect with you. We've given out your website. We'll put the links in our show notes here so that you guys can just tap in and and reach out and connect with her. What other platforms are you on, Denise, that we should have people find you on, follow you on, et cetera? Where else? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm learning a little bit on um, well, of course, on LinkedIn, people can find me at uh, Denise Torres and, uh, you know, on Facebook and uh, on Twitter at uh, Denise M. Torres. But, uh, you know, the, the big things are just find us on the website and we'll get you connected to our newsletter. And, uh, and, and really, we look forward to having uh, everyone join us and hopefully we'll have something that can help you. But Heather, I want, really want to thank you for what you're doing and all your dedication and your passion uh, for helping women. And you're an absolute delight. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for your time. We really, truly value and appreciate that so much. It's a really great honor to have you here with us today. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of the She Lucy podcast. If you enjoyed it, would you do us a favor? Would you go on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review? And then also while you're there, go ahead and share the podcast with your fellow female leaders. Also be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram and to get the latest information about the She Leads Me community and see what we're up to. We will see you next time.